every business plan has a plan to succeed. But if something goes wrong, if something happens in that term, what is your ability to weather that? Let's start where all good stories start, at the beginning. You've got to have a realistic expectation on sales, really accounting for cost, your overhead and all of that. Because if you're going to ask somebody else to take a chance on you with their money, they're going to want to know. So I guess a pro forma budget that has out there at the end of year one and then I win the lottery is not going to be a good budget. (laughs) I'm Patrick Pacheco and you're listening to In Good Companies from Cadence Bank the podcast where we answer the toughest questions facing your business and guide you through the company life cycle from start to sale and success to succession. Today, we're going to be talking about beginnings, how to take the idea of your company and turn it into a reality. Of course, you can't know everything before you start your business, but the better prepared you are before you open your doors, the more successful you'll be down the line. To discuss this, we brought in the best, not just one man named Alan, but two. And we come up with a foolproof way of telling the two Alans apart. This is Alan Toms, Alan with one L, Managing Director of SBA Banking for Cadence Bank. My name is Alan Adams, Alan with two L's. I'm the State Director of the University of Georgia Small Business Development Center. Alan with one L comes from a family of business starters. My father, my uncle, my grandfather were all entrepreneurs. And so... I watch them, and I'm the corporate guy working for a bank compared to my family, but I have an, an affinity for those that are willing to make those risks and challenges, and I want to see them be successful. As exciting as it is to have an idea for a new business, Alan warns you to be cautious because the excitement can only get you so far. Look, it's exciting. It's new. Um, you may be passionate about it, whatever the, the area is, but have either the discipline or have people around you that maybe a little more skeptical that will ask some of those questions. Don't get overly caught up in the hype or the excitement of starting it. Although it is exciting, you need to enjoy it. Make sure you reflect on the demands that it's going to have on you personally, on your family, on you financially, and think about those. Doesn't mean not to do it, but certainly give it the opportunity to reflect on that. Yeah, I know you're not in the mode of crushing dreams, but do you ever have people come to you and you just think this is a really bad idea? The best thing I can do is tell you, don't do this. Yeah, I've got a couple of those stories. Some I'll share, some I won't hear. But, you know, I've got everything from someone wanting to start a a strip club to a guy that wanted to start a hydroponic farm, which is interesting. But when I met with him and, and we started talking about the hydroponic farm, all he could really share was how great hydroponic plants are and how everybody needs to eat these plants, there was no business. I mean, there is a business there potentially, but he hadn't analyzed it. He was caught up in the area of the field that he was passionate about, and rightfully so, but he had not sat down and say, you know, who do I sell it to? Who are my buyers? How do I fund it? Where do I grow it? What that's going to cost? What are the water costs? What are the, you know, he hadn't really put the business side on. He was caught up in the passion and we had to Tactfully, I tried not to crush his passion, but try to encourage him to go to like the SBDC and sit down and say, look, there's got to be a business behind this passion and let's get your arms around the business. Alan with two L's also warns against the dangers of OE, overexcited entrepreneurship. You can't just be all passion and enthusiasm. That's not enough. You've got to be able to sell it on paper for somebody else to take, think through, analyze and make sure it makes sense to them. 
Passion's important, but it can lead you astray if you're not careful as well. It's going to be a lot of work. Some people get frustrated in their job, their day job or whatever they're doing and feel like, you know, I'd, I'd rather not have the frustrations of this other environment. I'd rather work for myself. Well, as we tell people, well, you're about to go to work for everybody when you go to work for yourself. So it is a lot of work. It's a 24-hour, seven concern. In a typical job, you can go home at night, put it out of your mind. For a small business owner, again, this may be your entire net worth. Personal assets are tied up in collateral in the business. And so it's going to be on your mind 24-7, you know, and if something's going wrong and it's on the weekend or you're trying to be on vacation, you may be engaged with the business because it's very much your personal life. So I used to practice law and uh, when I went in, I, I joined a group of lawyers and even though we had a partnership, it was really a partnership of five different businesses. And one of my friends asked me, he said, so how's it now not working for the man? I said, well, I still work for the man. So it turns out it's me and he's a real jerk. So what's the antidote for overexcitement? How do you get your head out of the clouds and your feet back on the ground? According to Alan, it's an answer you'll remember from school. Yes, that's right. Homework. I would tell you the first steps in my mind, if you're going to try to go down that path, is, is to write it down. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but the exercise of putting it down on paper and doing your homework um, makes you think, gives you an opportunity to reflect on it, and then you can share it. I'm a firm believer in asking yourself kind of why, that infamous question, why, you know, why me, why now, why here, why this? and challenge yourself and have answers to those questions. It doesn't mean to be sarcastic or discounting the idea, but I think doing that, you know, why is this going to work and why are customers going to come to me and why do I want to do this now are things that would help you kind of reflect on what you're doing and you recognize the, the challenge ahead of you. This is the stage where Allen with two L's and the Small Business Development Center comes in. Basically, we provide business consulting and training to small business owners and prospective entrepreneurs. They need to know something more about how to market their business or manage the finances or source suppliers, things like that. People come when they feel a need. If everything's going great, money's coming through the door, customers, whatever, they're happy, things are good. You throw a little recession on or a, just a, a change in the market and it's not what it is, then they're looking for some advice. One of my favorite stories, uh, one of our former clients who's now a national company, he, he tells the story of he started out, he thought he was doing so well, he came in, he left the office literally in tears because our person pointed out to him, his money was not cash flowing the way he thought, and his business was not going to go anywhere if he didn't get on top of it. So he's really funny when he tells it because he's quite successful now. But he said he literally left crying because he thought he was doing so good and she crushed him. <laughs> but that's that's not really what we're here for. But Well, no, I think that's, that's, that's an interesting take. I, I've always thought that people who really make it big aren't – it's not somebody like me that has a job and has kids and has a house and I – I know what I have to lose and I'm afraid to lose it. It's, it's usually the people that are either the, the big risk takers they know and they can quantify it or they don't realize they have anything to lose. So they just go for it <laughs> yeah. without concern. And that's uh, somebody like me. I'll always be just getting the, drawing the salary from somebody else. And that's just the way it will be. Yeah, there's a lot of us who are sort of company minded people. And 
you know, there's a lot of studies on sort of the psychology of entrepreneurs and it's not that they're wild, reckless risk takers. They have a tolerance and a calculation about risk and their passion. They don't typically do crazy things, but their passion to achieve makes the risk not so intense to them and they're willing to take calculated risk. What are some of the other resources you have at the uh, Georgia SBDC that, that you wish more people would utilize or take advantage of? Well, we do purchase proprietary commercial marketing data to help people understand, you know, what is the market potential? Where might new customers be? That kind of thing. Where are my customers coming from and how does that look for my market? So we have a lot of data that we can help people customize for their purposes, look, analyze, provide their thinking and planning for their business. We also can help people with financial analysis of how their business is going, how does their business look compared to other firms in their industry of similar size and market conditions, just to see how things are, are going, how money's coming and going in and out of the business, sales, assets, et cetera just to have them a sense of, are they making good decisions? Are they doing things that seem normal and work for others? That doesn't mean that your business can't be so unique that you're doing different, but can give you some parameters, benchmarks, perspectives. So that's the kind of data we have. We can help people that they normally wouldn't have access to on their own. Right, right. I think that reality check probably is really important for a lot of business owners. They're not sure if it's going good and having something to balance bounce ideas off of and balance what you're doing with what your peers are doing uh, probably gives them a sense of comfort or a, or a sense of I better change some things and, and get the show on the road. <laughs> One way the SBDC can hopefully save you some tears is with a solid business plan, something that Alan with 1L says is invaluable. The SBDCs in Georgia and there's SBDCs in every state, they're a great resource to sit there with you and go through that business plan and ask the questions that the bank's going to want answers to. And the more thorough you address those, the more likely this is going to be successful in getting financing because those answers to those questions will tell you if it's a good idea, it'll tell the bank if it's a good idea, and it helps predict the likelihood it's going to succeed. Uh, let, let's put it this way. It, a well-done business plan can very much help your success. Using that hydroponic scenario again, uh, the gentleman had a business plan, but it was about eight pages of the benefits of hydroponic lettuce and two pages of financials. And it, it just didn't show a capacity to understand the business side of it. It's the roadmap, right? And so the better the roadmap, the more detail, probably the better, more likely you're going to succeed at it. So I've, I've heard of the five C's of credit. Uh, when somebody says that, what exactly are they talking about? So that's a longstanding industry term. And, and what it stands for is it's character. So the character of the borrower, capacity. So that's your ability to repay a loan, capital, the funds available to support the business. There's conditions, which is the economic conditions and, and the macro view of your business. And then collateral, which we just talked about. So character, capacity, capital conditions and collateral are the five C's of credit. And, and that is a good starting point. I mean, if you're doing a business plan, it wouldn't hurt you to take those five C's and write your answer down for each one of those and kind of where you meet that for yourself and as a potential borrower. And if you want to get even more detailed, Alan has some tips for that as well. 
We'll see business plans often that have a fairly rudimentary profit and loss statement and, and balance sheet. It'll be very basic. You really need to look, especially if it's a startup, you need to look at that business month to month and go out 24 months You know, and say, all right, what does it look like month one, month two, month three? And be honest with yourself about the revenue, be honest with yourself about the expenses. And then I would even tell you to shock it, to sit there and go, okay, I think I'll do this. But if I only hit 60% of it, this is what that would look like and how long it would take me to get stabilized and put some of that in it. Now, you have your idea, you've done your homework, but you still need something to get started, funding. And this is where having a solid business plan can set you apart. Now, if you're going to approach an investor or a lender, then the documented aspect of that becomes more important because at that point, that plan is going to demonstrate or prove to somebody else, you know what you're doing and you're a reasonable risk. And particularly if you're looking for financing, you've got to have reasonable assumptions in your pro formas. You've got to have a realistic expectation on sales, making sure you're really accounting for cost, your overhead and all of that. Because if you're going to ask somebody else to take a chance on you with their money, they're going to want to know. So I guess a pro forma budget that has out there at the end of year one and then I win the lottery probably is not going to be a good, <laughs> yeah. a good budget. So, you know, businesses, you know, they need some type of money, some type of capital to get started. And if they don't, what are the options? Obviously, to the extent that you have capital available yourself through savings or equity and in, in potentially real estate or some other asset, you know, that's a great place to start. But generally, that's limited. And so we often encourage people to find some investment partners and we call them partners. And I think you need somebody in there that's going to recognize their role in the company. They're an investor. They're here to provide capital, but there'll be a partner in the business at some level. And I think that's very helpful because they get counsel that way. They get access to capital they wouldn't otherwise have. And often in a startup scenario, they're not ready for bank debt, especially without that kind of backing to help them out. Often banks, you know, it's a risk and return formula, right? And so the investors are willing to take a little more risk and they get a little more return. Banks have relatively low returns and therefore they expect relatively low risk. And uh, you got to get your business to that point that it's perceived to be a relatively low risk to get bank debt. So I always recommend if you can find a someone with some means to help you financially, that's a good partnership and a good way to start growing the business. And then you get, and generally they're successful for a reason. They have access to professionals or others that might be able to help you as well. And how, how about loans? Is that a possibility for a true, true startup, or is that usually a pretty tough road to go down? We do startups. We do them regularly within our group. And it's generally someone, we look for experience, right? Why this person is going to be successful. And, you know, they're 20 years in a field and that company is being sold or, or they have an opportunity to buy the company or they have an idea that their current company doesn't embrace and want to take it, but they've got the expertise, the experience, and all they need is some financing, those are much easier for us to get our arms around. Loans are, again, a risk and return item, and, and you kind of, you got to look at, okay, what's this guy's probability of success? And that generally comes with some experience and an understanding of their business and or their industry that we can get behind. 
back to my prior comment of risk and return, I mean, the investors are taking a higher risk, so they're going to be more expensive. They have a higher return requirement because they're taking that risk. Savings isn't going to cost you anything because you have the money, but it's got a lot of risk for you because it's your savings. And so how much of that do you want to put on the line? A loan is going to be their cheapest option, probably your easiest option from a paperwork and just the ability to, to execute the loan. And it'll be low cost, but they also expect low, relatively low risk. So have you gotten your business to a point that you can demonstrate a fairly low risk? So if you're a startup looking for funding, you can seem risky to a bank, but there's a solution for that. In fact, that's what Alan with 1L is in charge of at Cadence Bank. So the managing director of SBA Banking. So let's talk about the Small Business Administration. For those that don't know what the Small Business Administration does, can you kind of give us a, a broad overview? It's a cabinet position agency. It's here to provide loans, provide counseling, provide contracts uh, for people that want to do business with federal contracts. It's truly just its mission is to support small businesses in the United States. It's funny, as you said, it's a, a cabinet level position. So I was the special assistant with the U.S. Attorney's Office. And I used to work with the SBA and Phil later got appointed to be the head of SBA. And they had a very nice reception at the White House for all the appointees. And on the way home, he stopped at a gas station to put gas in his car in Virginia. And a nice, attractive young lady was behind the counter. And she said, you're Phil later, aren't you? And he kind of puffed up and said, well, yes, I am. How did you know? And she said, that's what it says on your name tag. <laughs> the way that SBA loans work is a little different from your typical loan. In your conventional borrowing, the SBA works through banks. So the SBA is not a direct lender. So you don't go to the SBA and get a 7A loan. You go to a bank. And at that function, the SBA essentially serves as an insurance policy for your loan. So if you want to borrow a million dollars, the SBA comes in and provides a 75% guarantee. So they're basically insuring that loan for 750000 So the idea is to help the banks get comfortable to make loans that may not meet the conventional lending policy. So you either are light on collateral, your cash flow coverage is less than what's conventionally the standard it's a startup. It could be a good example um, where the bank would want to see three years of, of operating history with an SBA guarantee. We might be comfortable with something less or even a startup. So it's a relationship that allows the banks to put the capital out to the borrowers and really help get their financing. But just because SBA loans can bridge the gap doesn't mean it's a handout. Some people assume the SBA is a grant that we're giving you money. Um, but it's a loan and the SBA expects to be repaid and therefore we have to underwrite it to be repaid. So it's sort of a thing we kind of tongue in cheek will say internally, an SBA does not make a bad loan good. It needs to be a good loan, a good idea that has a weakness and it helps subsidize that weakness. When I was working and worked primarily with the disaster program, that was one thing we had to really tell people this is a loan program. Don't lie on your on your application. The U.S. Attorney's Office will go after you for criminal fraud. I mean, and uh, people sometimes didn't take it as seriously because they thought it was just a, a, a government giveaway and it's, and, and it's not. And I, I assume probably even more so in the regular program. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I don't want to scare anyone either. It's not as long, painful process. If you've done your homework up front, it can go through pretty quickly. It's just a matter of making sure you've done your homework. And that's always a good 
thing for a borrower to try to do when they come in for financing, whether it's SBA or otherwise. You do your homework, show your work, and be ready to share it with the bank. But whether you're looking for funding right now or down the line, Alan from the SBDC suggests creating a relationship with your bank and your bankers. You need to be thinking ahead. Typically, you're just not, unless you've already established a line of credit with your lender, you're, you may not necessarily walk in and I have this great opportunity or something's gone wrong and I need a bunch of money and you're going to walk into the lender of the day and walk out with it. Now, you may have an asset base. You can do that depending on your relationship and whatever else. But most people need to be thinking ahead because it can take some time to, again, prepare paperwork, look at different options, allow the lender to process, consider what they're going to do. They may not be willing to lend you as much as you want based on their analysis. So thinking ahead is generally better than, you know, waiting till the moment of it. That's not the best way to proceed. So it sounds like in, in every aspect of this planning, whether it's at the very start as you're ongoing, that, that the successful business owner is really going to be planning all the time. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. And, and we're certainly going to encourage people, you know, if you're going to have a business that you intend to grow, have employees, and you've got a growth mind to it, you're going to want to have an ongoing relationship with a lender and a business attorney and a CPA. You're going to want to have them as part of your regular team that you're keeping them apprised of what's going on, help getting them to help you think ahead about what your needs are. And, and a good lender is going to do that if you're staying in touch with them about the progress and the evolution of their business, they're going to be thinking ahead for you and helping you look at those opportunities or prepare yourself for when you, when you have the need. In fact, both Allens agree that entrepreneurs will benefit from a relationship with their lender. Think of your bank as a partner. You know, come in and talk to your banker and be candid about it. And and if you get a partnership with a bank, somebody that gets to know you, understand your business, that can really help you. You don't want to come to the bank in a crisis moment. That's the worst time to come to a bank, try to borrow. So build that relationship, have a partner that understands. And then when something does go bump, you've got that relationship to fall back on. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, it, you should have a bank that's a, that's a partner, not a vendor. If they're a vendor, then you need to go somewhere else. There's an old saying, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. And that's especially true for businesses that are just starting out. You can't just rely on the excitement and novelty to carry you through. You've got to really do your homework and map out every scenario, but you don't have to do it alone. Places like the SBDC are there as resources and any lender worth their salt will be there to guide you. Because when you succeed, we all succeed. Thanks to all Allens with any number of L's in their name, but especially to Alan Adams, State Director of the University of Georgia, SBDC, and Alan Toms, Managing Director of SBA Banking, right here at Cadence Bank. In Good Companies is a podcast from Cadence Bank, member FDIC, Equal Opportunity Lender. Sheena Cochran is our production coordinator. Our executive producer is Danielle Cornell with writing and production from Andrew Gannam and sound design and mixing by Alex Bennett at Lower Street Media. I'm your host, Patrick Pacheco. If you've made it this far and you've got something out of the episode, why don't you go out and give us a five-star rating in your podcast app? It's the best thing you can do to help the show grow and reach more people. And join us next week because when you're with us, we're in good companies.
This podcast is provided as a free service to you and is for general informational purposes only. Cadence Bank makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, completeness, or timeliness of the content in the podcast. The podcast is not intended to provide legal, accounting, or tax advice and should not be relied upon for such purposes. To the extent that this podcast includes predictions about the economy, these predictions are subject to a number of variables and you should confer with your legal, accounting, and tax advisors for their input regarding the possible outcomes of any economic subject matter discussed herein.